Hey everybody, welcome to Speak the Truth Podcast. I'm Matt Tardio. Today we are going to be going over... I don't know, I'm just sitting here. My screen, it looks like this. <laughs> I have no the idea. Damn thing that he knows about. We're going to be going over Kazakhstan. Yeah, Kazakhstan. We're going to be going over what's going on in Kazakhstan. The other day we talked about what is actually happening in Kazakhstan. Yeah. And we've got a lot of things to talk about what's going on. Mainly why the entire Western world needs to be paying attention to what's happening in this country. So initially when we talked about it, we were talking about um, the people in that country being pissed off over the oil and gas prices that are going on there. So yeah. delve a little bit deeper into that. Discover that Kazakhstan is like the 17th uh, 17th highest producer of oil in the world, right? So they have a lot. They fall. They actually are like one step above Qatar when it comes to like high. production. Yeah, it's pretty high, right? 90% of their oil being exported ends up going over to China. All right, big players in the U.S. that are into this oil field over there end up being ExxonMobil and Chevron. Okay. Pretty, pretty big game players, right? Yeah. Like in this whole thing. Additionally, when we first looked and we started talking about it, it was this whole oil gas talk. Well, that's not exactly what's going on. It's not oil and gas. Oil and gas is more or less the catalyst to what's been happening in that country. Like that is, that is the thing that sparked the fire to this revolution that's taking place. So when people tell you it's a protest, they are, they are incorrect in saying it's just simple protests over oil and gas. It's 100% a revolution. The reason I say that is it has to do with the history of that country. Looking at Kazakhstan as a whole in the history of that country. So the previous president of Kazakhstan was in place after like the Soviet Union collapsed, and he had remained in place up until 2019. After he left office, after he resigned, he appointed the current president that's sitting in office right now in Kazakhstan. When that current president took office, they held some sort of a sham election, and that president had basically promised to be more of a president for the people. He tried taking back a little bit more and giving a little bit back towards the people, but he still sided with Russia on a lot of things. Like a lot, a lot of things, right? And so when he started siding with Russia, the people were like, look, we want our own local representatives. We want our own democratically elected representatives from our own regions, kind of like a lot of what, more or less what we do here in the States, right? So the people themselves got pissed off the authoritarian government because they were being basically put aside. And they were like, we want our own representatives in the government and we want to elect them. Instead of those people being elected, what he ended up doing was he ended up appointing people to those specific regions. You, you, you tracking with me? Okay, following Still along. following along? Yep. Okay, so all of that has still created. Now, those people, like I said last time, average was $100. I tried to look as mm-hmm. far as like their okay. own income goes, 100 bucks a month. I've heard $200 a month. I've heard the, the government claims $700 a month. Either way, it's a shit income for these people that live over there. With being such a huge producer of oil in that country, they actually had to develop, I don't want to say develop their own type of fuel, but they use like a different type of fuel, right? So liquid gas. Liquid gas petroleum, whatever they call it, LGP, right? So that's what they're using over there. So when that gas price doubled, that's when people were like, we're sick of this because the government promised to put a cap on that gas price. And then instead of that cap being maintained, they ended up doubling that cost. And that's what pissed the people off to the point where now they're revolting. So it's not something that just happened overnight with them being pissed off about gas prices. There's something else that's going on. Further, Right now, what we're seeing over in that country, right, and this is what I can gather because the government in Kazakhstan actually shut off all the social media over there, right? So all social media has been shut off. Most of the Internet has been shut off around the country. It's not just the capital either itself where people are riding. They're riding in all the major cities over there. So not just the capital, all major cities. And we're not just talking about a couple hundred protesters. We're not just talking about a couple hundred riders. We're talking about damn near like street corner to street corner, flooded seas of people taking over that country. The president himself remains in office, but the entire government underneath him resigned. Remember when we were talking last time, we were like, okay, well, why why would it be that the Kazakh president has to call in for Russian troops to come in and help him out? He's got over 100,000 troops that fall into that country, 
And we both sat there and we nodded our heads. We're like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening is those troops actually, those troops and the police straight up defected and they're now siding with the protesters. Pretty big deal, right? Okay. The ones that haven't, there's videos of them being captured and having all their stuff taken. There's videos of people that are like currently like tearing through police stations, everything else. So even though they might have a portion of the military that's still intact, it's definitely not under control of that president. And that small portion of that military, when faced with tens of thousands of protesters, isn't going to be able to do a damn thing. So what does he do? He's got to call in the Kremlin to come and help him out and bail him out. Specifically, not just the Kremlin. He's got to call in something. Uh, what he actually tapped into was called the Collective Security Treaty Organization. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. The CSTO, all right, is basically the Russian, Russian form of NATO, if you will. Right. So he's taken a couple of them and they all have like the security agreement that, hey, if anything ever happens, I'm going to need you. So this is actually like the country, uh, the Kazakhs are the ones that actually tapped into that and were like, look, we need help. So it's not just Russia that's sending in people to help out. There's also like Belarus and I'm trying to remember the other one. It doesn't matter. It's small and I'm sure it's minuscule if they've even got people on the ground. So right now they've got paratroopers that are on the ground over in uh, Kazakhstan. And today, I believe it was today or or very recently, so today, last night, something like that, the president of Kazakhstan actually ordered uh, the shooting of the protesters, and he's calling them terrorists. So they're shooting them pretty much indiscriminately out on the streets to keep them down. I've found probably at least a dozen videos that have been taken. They're showing protesters out on the street being shot. So the government's claiming the last numbers that the Kazakh government's put out has only been like 12 to 15 people. So why is this a big deal, and why should like the West be paying attention to this? So when we look at what happened in Ukraine, right, and we had this big uprising in Ukraine, and all of a sudden that government flipped from being pro-Russian to now over a democracy, and that pissed off Russia and a lot of the, the, the ethnic Russians, if you will, in the eastern part of that country, that sparked a civil war. All right, so now we're seeing the same exact thing happen in Kazakhstan, and Russia's trying to get ahead of that, and they're getting their troops on the ground to go support that president. The president doesn't have control of his country right now. The Kazakh president, zero control, none. Okay, so what's going to end up happening if this is all said and done? Well, that's a very good question. Is it going to be held by? Is Russia going to say, you know what? Since you can take care of it, we're just going to go ahead and this is going to this is our another Crimea. Russia can't lose control of it. No, and what I'm yeah. saying is, is it, is this another Crimea type type situation where they're going to take and control it? So Crimea is a little bit different, right? I think Russia learned its lesson in Crimea. I think like people could see this over there if they were paying attention to the political situation. They could see this was boiling and it was about to happen. Okay, well, right? I, 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 I honestly had no idea. I, so I guarantee you, the FSB, which is now like the former KGB. Right is currently the Russian FSB. I guarantee you, like or the equivalent of our CIA, they had people on the ground and they were aware of all this crap that yeah, was going on. I'm sure they are. I mean, and it's so a neighboring country, we pretty much know what's going on in Mexico. I think the the Russian government got its ass slapped when it invaded Crimea and took over that part of the country, even though that was after the revolution had already taken place and everything else, and they established their little foothold, which basically allows them to do a couple things. But the interesting part when you look at the map and you look at where you basically have Ukraine mm -hmm. and then you have Russia. And then you have Kazakhstan, right? Largest landlocked country in the world. It's bigger than all of Western Europe. It's a massive country. Yeah, it's huge. Massive producer in oil. Massive producer in your like number one in uranium. Number one in all these like it's it's huge. Does a lot of things. Russia cannot lose control of that part of the world. It is huge for the stability of their country, and it's huge when it goes into pushing like authoritarian rule. So if they lose Kazakhstan and that flips over to a democracy, this Russian influence that they're trying to project and saying that democracies suck right now and that they can't keep up and that it's, it's not good for the world and, and communism is the way to go and all this other crap, 
um, they're they're losing that influence rapidly, rapidly, rapidly. And if they lose this country, it's going to look very bad on the Russian government, like very bad, very well, bad. Is, so is Russia it, is not going to want to lose control. Yeah, but how are they how are they ever going to maintain control? With so the way it is going right now. So right now, Russia deployed their troops to the area, yeah. and because that president doesn't have control over his own country, the Russian troops are now in there shooting Kazakhs and how, doing how their best that, to support it. So how does that how does that garnish you any? <laughs> any popularity with, with the, the people. It doesn't. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I'm that's why all the that. internet and everything else is shut off. I've tried, so I'm trying to figure out. So you're trying to tell me they don't want to lose a country. So their way of going in and not losing a country is to <laughs> shoot civilians and protesters. That's 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 their idea there. Welcome to we, communism. We don't want to lose. So we're just going to shut off the internet and, and shoot you. So they actually, like the protesters actually took over the big international airport mm-hmm. that was down there outside the Capitol. And that's where the, the paratroopers troops or whatever ended up. From what I've seen... That's where they've ended up going into, and they've since retaken the airport. Okay. But with that said, they don't really have control over anything else. Ooh. So what you have the making of is a massive, it's almost not even fair to call it a civil war because it's not a civil war anymore. You now have outside entities that are playing. That sounds like a proxy war. Almost like a proxy war, but mm-hmm. not quite, because you actually have the troops that and are on the actually, ground. They're not really fighting anybody other than civilians. They're not fighting. It's almost a proxy war that's going against the neighboring civilian population because it's actually not going against the government at all no if it was going against the government it'd be a proxy war essentially not really because then no, it'd be the russian it government be actually going against that yeah. would be a war so i don't really know what this is it's not really a proxy war because it's actually just the russian government going against another country's civilians right very strange yep. when you say it like that when you actually put it laid out like that it's very weird Yep, and there you go. It's Belarus, Tajikistan, and Armenia that are also supposed to be going in there as well to help. I don't even know how big, big the those. The big They're those. not. They can't be that big. I mean, I didn't even know they even had their own military force, but I would assume it's just a bunch of hodgepodge infantry guys well, walking around. look at how well NATO worked. Now picture a Russian NATO and yeah, tell yeah, me how yeah. well that works. <laughs> yeah, I've, then, I've seen NATO firsthand. Right, but the thing know, is, is that these guys, they're, I mean, the great, I guess, on their side, they don't, they don't. I mean, picture yourself going into a place that's basically. No the, yeah, they don't have any yeah, rules, have no so rules. they're just out there shooting protesters. But yeah. it's no. The thing is, is it's no longer just protesters. It's military and police that are now on the size, the side of those Kazakh citizens. So what you're telling me is, Russia is in Russia. Russian Russian forces yeah. are in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan right. is allowing them to push forward against the protesters. The protesters is a mix of civilians, police, and military. So now you have a military. It's police. not. It's not, and that's why I'm saying it's not <laughs> protesters. It's an actual uprising. Like okay. they're trying to. They they did effectively. So what are they trying to? The, are they trying to? They effectively. The all, they it, effectively already overthrew the government because the government itself doesn't minus exist. the president doesn't exist. Okay. Right so now. if they've overthrown the government now, what's going to be the the cause? Is it cause? Going to end up being a communist state. That's just it. Right now, the only thing that's keeping this country like propped up is Russia. Is the former military or the the Russian military and these outside entities coming in under essentially what would be, I guess, under command of the the president or in support of the Kazakh president that doesn't have a formal government in place because they all resigned. You see what I'm getting at? Well, when when you start laying it out like that, because a lot a lot of ways, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening where they have no idea exactly what's going on until you actually dive deeper into it. And it's really just a, a mashed mess of, it kind of reminds me of jambalaya. Yes. It's a big thing of jambalaya. So you <laughs> have one bad, guy, really you have one guy that in the election him, that got him into position, yeah. right, within itself had protests take place over that because everybody thought it was like scam. essentially what happened. Yeah. yeah. Scam. Scam mm-hmm. is what everybody's looking at. And they're like, this guy's not going to let go of power. And the Russian government doesn't want to let go of power. So let's say at a minimum. Let's say at a minimum these Russian troops come in and like start smoking everybody 
and this new Kazakh government gets reinstated, you still are going to have a puppet Russian government in control over Kazakhstan. But if it wasn't enough already before, it definitely will be now because that is who is supporting that guy and keeping him there. Ah, I don't know. So I'm you're looking at live there. It could it could be one hell of a bloody war that's about to take place, between and who? that is that's the question between who the, the civilians, the, the citizens of that country, well, the defected military, the defected police, and all the Russians a, that come another, in. Another, even weaker version of Ukraine at that point. Oh, it's it's it, it would be it, it, it would almost be it almost be worse than Ukraine. It's, it's almost going to be worse than Ukraine because worse. Ukraine actually established its like you had mass support from all the people and they had like yes. that government established. But not, right now you got a guy that hasn't let go of that government control. So the main thing that you want to have in place when you go and you spark an insurgency, right, which clearly didn't play, take place here, is you want to have some sort of a shadow government in place, right? So what would be Biden's position here? Uh, it's probably ignore it, yeah. pull the covers over his eyes, pretend like it's not happening, because Russia's already Russia's already given us, and we're going to get into that in a little bit here with what's going on in Ukraine, but Russia's already drawn its red lines on Ukraine and said, don't you dare start providing weapons to these people. Don't you dare start doing more military exercises. Don't you dare do any of this, or we're going to take military action. So what do you think Putin's stance would be if the West now went in and started supporting democracies? That would be a war. That would 100% spark a war between two nation states. There's no other way around it. The crazy thing that I want to know is how come none of this is being reported as what's happening? I don't know, Matt. That's why it took me a second. I'm sitting here actually looking at it, and it doesn't... Like if, there's just no when you type in Kazakhstan and you type in protests, it's literally just says that it's just there's, protests. There's nothing that comes from the White House that actually says anything. They're literally just, of course, they're saying um, ramps up security as official urge calm in Kazakhstan. Like they're urging calm. Like okay, that doesn't do anything. Try to urge calm in the war, and it yeah, nobody it gives a. Shit. Okay, what do you? They're they're calm? attacking government entities. They don't give two about what the U.S. government has to say about remaining calm. Hey, this came an hour ago. Biden admin ways proposing cuts in the U.S. I don't know what that one's about. Don't even want to. Right. This has all the, the same thing. I hope this isn't talking about cutting the military budget. Keep going with your thing. I'm well, this. yeah, as you're reading that, Biden's actually, he's probably weighing in on what Putin told him, which is cut back on everything that's going on in Ukraine. The thing is, is that Russia has now got a two-front fight going on with itself. A two-front fight, both on the western side of the country, like southwest and western side of the country. You have Ukraine that's over there that you're dealing with all the Ukrainians and what's happening there. And now they have this uprising in Kazakhstan, like 100% uprising in Kazakhstan. So let's talk about Ukraine for a second. Let me pull that up. Yeah. So right now over in Ukraine, what Russia is looking at is actually, let's let's kind of like, I always say, like, if you want to get inside the enemy's mind, start looking at their beliefs and like their different viewpoint. We talked a lot before in Ukraine about how Russia is staging over at the border, possibly to launch an offensive to go in and start taking land back. Right, and basically to, to carve out that little portion of Ukraine. Okay. Take take that Donbass region, create a land bridge in between that region and Crimea. That way Russia has a little bit more projected influence over the area. What Russia's side of this battle is going to be is that they're worried about a Ukrainian offensive going over and taking place to take that region back like a full-on force. The leader of the, leader of the Ukrainian military actually said they would love to see a tank driving through um the, the class night Pashatka, so like the the Red Square, over in uh, over in uh, Moscow, right? Like that's what he would like to see happen one day. Not a joke, not a joke. And so, like, is it going to happen? Yeah. Absolutely not. They don't have the power to project themselves that far. But Russia staging in the in the event in the event that the Ukrainian military wants to go and start taking back that region, 
that's going to be the Russian military stance is that they're going to have those forces there in case Ukraine launches a major offensive, basically ramps up operations to go take that region back. And then Russia's got 170,000 man force sage on the border to go and fight that. So the interesting part about this entire thing is on January 10th, which that would be today This is when we're airing this. So on January 10th or today, they actually have bilateral talks in between the U.S. and they're scheduled to go on between, I think it was like the 10th, the 12th and the 13th is when these talks are scheduled to take place. What they're going to be talking about is what Russia, uh, Russia's demands, basically, that if the U.S. doesn't back off and if we don't stop supporting Ukraine and we don't stop doing all this crap, then they're going to be forced to take military action. So today they are going to have um, talks uh, over the next couple of days about what's going to happen in that region. So now Russia is going to be stretched thin in between Ukraine and also Kazakhstan. So that might give us a little bit more weight um, for what they're doing, but the Russian military is also huge and they have the ability to fight that war on two fronts. So what Russia does not want to see happen is they don't want to see Ukraine be made a member of NATO, which U- Ukraine is far away from that. And they want no more NATO expansion in the region. We're talking like not just Ukraine, but Baltic states in general. They don't want them over there. So with that being said, Russia has drawn that as their red line. Did I lose you on any of this? No, no. Yeah, so Russia has drawn that on their red line. And Russia has specifically said, Putin has specifically said that the tensions should remain, and I'm quoting, tensions should remain and Russia should not de-escalate so long as there is a risk of them, i.e. Ukraine or NATO, staging some kind of a conflict. So Russia is demanding that Ukraine back off and leave that contested area alone, essentially balled up underneath Russian power. And then they're going to, you're definitely going to look at them attempting some sort of a land bridge in the future because they want, they're going to want to link Crimea with eastern Ukraine, with that Donbass region. They're going to want a land bridge. And then they also have what's going on in Kazakhstan. It's a show. People are getting tired of communism. They're over it. And Russia's struggling to hold on. <sighs> I just don't. And at the same time, Russia's threatening war. Yeah, with who? Not with us. They sure are. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It we got happen. Biden in office. It won't happen. I, I don't know. I, I think Biden will cower to him before before he'll actually bow his chest. I don't even know if he... God, he doesn't know what's going on for the most part. Right. And we're supposed to have these peace talks. Or, or or status conference or whatever you want to call it. He's going to be so worried about 2022 and, and maintaining control here in the United States. He's not going to really – he'll back off the whole Russian thing and kind of let him do the thing. I mean, do we even have – do we even have – in America, do we even have the ability right now with the state of the economy and the military having just pulled out of Afghanistan to go and get ourselves involved in another conflict? No. We can do a proxy war for sure. We, we could definitely help Ukraine on the back end. There's no way we couldn't. I know we could. Which for sure that's a do. that's a red line for Russia, though. Yeah, I know. Well, what I'm saying, if us doing that's happen, a red line. We, so we are we going to do that, or are we just going to back out mm. and let democracy fail? I don't know. That's good. Because <laughs> I know you're asking the question, I, mean, I give you the answer to. I, right. I know that we could, we could go to war for sure. There's no, there's, we could do a proxy war. They, we've been doing it for forever now. I mean, right. Look at Syria. We've already talked about this before. Sure. It's, it's all been the same thing. And that means we have to worry about China if we ever were to do that, because now China and Russia have been buddy buddy. They're frenemies, as as, as we would all like to say. A hundred percent frenemies. Because what do you think is yeah. going to happen to China's economy? And this is something else that people need to pay attention to, because China is getting a large portion of their oil from, from yeah. Kazakhstan. So what's that going to do to their production costs? And what are we going to see here in America on top of that? So China doesn't want that to happen. So China's probably going to get involved in this as well. It's interesting. It really is when you think about it. From a from you have number two and number three superpower on planet Earth. They're literally having to deal with. Turds in, in Kazakhstan 
who produce 17th most oil on planet Earth. That's where they get probably most of their oil from, I guess. That is. Yeah, so, so, and the number one producer of uranium, which we all know that China is always trying to make nuclear warheads at the same time. So why wouldn't you want to have complete control in the area? And, and they definitely don't want that to fall to a democratic state. Definitely not. Because then they'd have to deal with a lot of loopholes to even get to the uranium in the first place. Because then it won't be like, you can't just, in a communist state, they can do whatever they want. Literally, like look at China. They locked down 1.3 million people because of three coronaviruses. Right. They can do whatever they want. But when it comes to a democratic state, they're going to have to go through essentially checks and balances is the way I want to put it. I don't, I don't know if that's the right terminology for it, but they're, yeah. they're really going to have to, you literally have to go through a system. To and why, a, a why would, and answer me this, right? Like why would the people that have just revolted and uprised against a government, right? Uh, an authoritarian government want to support or help out in any way another authoritarian state I, like I know, China I, or Russia? Uh, fear. Fear of what? Invasion? Uh, because, I, I mean, guess. that would get I mean, the attention then, of the international community. I know, but there's... there. That, that's my next question, if, if, if that's if that's what we're talking about, fear of invasion in the international community, who's actually going to step up and do something for Kazakhstan or anywhere around them? Very good question. That's, I mean, yeah, fear of Because invasion, Kazakhstan, right? like I said, is part of that CSTO. Yeah, like, who is really going to come and do anything? No one. Right? I mean, we're not. No. I don't see the U.S. getting involved in that. Why we can't. Get involved? We, we wouldn't. Have, we have no reason to. Well, it would spark a war. If we go over there and support the people, who are we going to be shooting on the backside of that? I mean, I wouldn't mind it. At least at least you'd be shooting on somebody who's wearing a damn uniform. Yeah, you'd be shooting Russians. That's who you're going to shoot. I'm just being honest. I mean, I, I've never been able to fight in a war myself that I was shooting at somebody with a uniform on. They've always been wearing headdresses and weird Right. But, and sandals. Lots of flip-flops. I don't know. I, I don't see it's, it's a good point. I really don't know. So, it, I, I bet you it's really much just going to boil for the next week, and then it's going to nothing's going to end up come of it. I don't know. I think what you might actually what happened up, in Syria? There's a good question. I, I think what you might actually end up seeing is massive clashes. Okay, what, because, no, so what, what, was, point, what was the end state in Syria? What's Syria right now? It's still f-ed up. Okay, what happened in Syria? Almost damn near the same thing to a certain extent, except they had to deal with actual terrorism that was going on at the same time. Right. If you take out ISIS that was inside of there, it'd almost be, eh, it wouldn't be the same thing because wasn't he gassing his people it's at the same totally time? It's totally different because yeah, we had Assad that's gassing mm-hmm. his people. He was gassing. And, he gave us a reason actually. And we have ISIS that's yeah. like essentially fighting against Assad. We yeah. don't want those weapons to fall into either of their hands. Yeah. We don't want Assad out there gassing his people. And we also don't want ISIS acquiring those chemical weapons. That was a, that was a terrible comparison. If he, But I mean, if you subtracted the both of them. In the and sense, so, you still in, right. people, in Syria, we still had Syrian military. They had Russian. That's right. what people and, and what you're looking at. So this is different, right? Because you had people that were uprising that have already had those weapons and stuff, and now you actually have formalized police and military forces that are going to be like what they're going to do is they're going to pull back and they're going to collect themselves. But who's and then do? when those Russian forces come forward, that's when that's going to happen. Yeah, I just, I just don't that's see That's when it, those classes the thing are going to happen. You had the Russians actually physically killing them. I citizens. Think I, yeah, well, if you have Russians killing citizens, it's going to make Russia look terrible for one, and then you're going to have the international community that will it's already have to, ha- it is happening. It will have something will have to come of it at that point. But that's just it. That is happening. Is there actual videos of Russian shoulders or sol- or troops wearing yes. Russian flags shooting people for no reason? I just saw a video of Russian troops standing on an overpass. I wish I could show this. Just saw a video of Russian troops standing on an overpass, firing at a group of of protesters, if you will, or whatever you want to call that, were walking towards them. This they is, weren't armed. They weren't doing anything else. This is like what Germany, nineteen thirty-five, right? <laughs> and that's mean, that's what I'm saying. That's well, that's I mean, only gonna fan the flames, though. Uh, I mean, like, Germany, imagine Germany, yeah. what would you do if that happened here? What would I? Well, it's a different state. You got to think about it. We have the we have the most. It happened here. It'd be kind of a 
kind of a different thing. I mean, the amount of people, civilians that have weapons here and that have had training is significantly higher than there. And right, but the thing is, is that those people that have the guns are those military defectors and the police defectors yeah, that are now standing with the people. And so, when Russian troops come into that country and they start shooting those people, mm-hmm. what do you think those folks are going to do? I know what I would do. Exactly. But that's a totally diff- different scenario. I know that would never happen in America. It's one of those kind of things. People are like, "What if the government tried to over?" It, that would never. Ha- that would never. No, happen. No, they don't have the ability to it do that. It wouldn't happen here. But what I'm saying is, if I was there, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I would probably set up a little group of dudes, and we would probably have a little bit of fun. We'd probably end up dying at the same time. Would you? I mean, if they did it right now, if they were or- able to organize quickly before they can get the full front of their military on the yeah. ground, yeah, they have probably. a chance of overthrowing. I just don't, I just don't know what they their, don't, their they capabilities don't. are. I don't know what they have. I don't know what... I mean, the thing is, the, the, other, the other problem is, we can look, look at this from a different, different perspective. These people may be so weak that you might see terrorist organizations come in to give them funding and backing. That's their other worry, because you have Uzbekistan yeah. down there, and yeah. Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan has is a, full of them. Yep. That's what I'm saying. So you can, now you can, have, you can think about it from that perspective, and a lot of people don't realize that is you have these civilians and police and whatever on this side that may have defected or not really defected, but just didn't want to be part of the government. Now you can have a terrorist organization that has funding and weapons and training. They're going to come in and they could, the people, they don't want to be a part of the terrorist organization, but that could be their only way of getting the, the overthrow of the government in a sense, which means if we start seeing IEDs and the crazy shit start happening against actual, the, then you're probably going to say, yeah, it was probably infiltrated by. Well, that's I just a crazy say, part of guerrilla warfare though. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what that is. If you can't, if I can't fight you head on, that's how I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you with guerrilla warfare. uh, I don't know, Vietnam, Afghanistan now. Right. Everywhere. I mean, that is the essential element behind guerrilla warfare, right? And and unconventional warfare. You're looking at overthrowing and occupying power. That, that there's, there's no government that's in place anymore in that country. All you have is a sitting president that refuses to leave. His whole government has resigned. His troops are defecting. His police force is defected. And he's called in Russian troops to come assist. He doesn't have anybody on the ground. Well, if he doesn't have anything on the ground, then what I just said is, is an actual thing that could possibly happen. Right. I'm going to go back to the, the piece talking about terrorism. Or terrorists, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because no. now, now you got me thinking about... No, I w- no go ahead. Terrorists actually coming in is a high possibility. Very much so. And if we, if we see our, start seeing some more sophisticated things like EFPs and, and RKGs and, and stuff like that actually being used, I'm trying to think of the kind of stuff that EFPs is probably the most sophisticated one. I would say I EFPs could, are just even like just baseline explosives, right? Like yeah. if you see those military, because now that the military is effective. Yeah. Right. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be like, yeah. like the IMU or whatever on the ground over in, in uh, that very well could be military personnel that just know about munitions. Like they're not that hard to turn into. I don't know. EFP is made out of EFPs are completely EFPs are completely different. But that's not like uh, EFPs themselves. You you know what you need to do? You need to explain an EFP to somebody at home that doesn't understand exactly what it is. They're one of the most dangerous IEDs you possibly can imagine. So when you take, well, it's not it's not just those, right? Like there's 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 EFPs, explosively formed projectiles, and then there's shape charges. Shape charges. That's that's what I was. Well, an RPG itself is a shape charge. Yeah, but I'm talking about the real. Remember the cone ones? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say EFP. So what essentially happens is you take a big copper, a big copper uh, concave shape, and you wrap it in explosives, and you rear center prime it, and when that explosive goes off, it comes in, and then when it starts reaching the copper, it start pushes it out, and then everything else starts pushing that copper in towards the middle while projecting it forward, making a big molten beam of shit. Like a needle. That goes flying out. Right. It'll shoot right through a 
Anything. anything. It'll go through anything. So when it goes through, say it'll go through a tank, it'll not just go through the tank, it'll actually suck a human being through the holes on the opposite side of the tank. You know, or it will just take right. anything in there. It's pretty much disintegrated. I know there was actually a video of them testing EFPs when we were in Iraq that was floating around of them testing it. There was like goats inside of the vehicles. It was actually sucking the goats through the vehicles. Right. And they're not they're not cheap to make either. They're, they're very they're expensive. Not. But I'm, as I'm sitting here looking at it, I mean, I mean, this area, you in Kazakhstan, I mean, I guess, man, they do have pretty, God dang. Right. Tajikistan, Afghanistan, you're, I mean, you got a lot of people. There's a really easy flow of traffic from from Afghanistan up to Kazakhstan. I mean, it would literally take nothing because there's no border here, really. No. Like, they literally, if they, they wanted to get in here and, and start causing some issues, which I could possibly see, because inside of Afghanistan itself, you have three major terrorist organizations that are pretty much there. Maybe four. Three. Three. There's three. There's three major ones, but there's actually one that I would actually think would leave Afghanistan and actually go up there if it was possible. There's only one I can actually see doing that. Well, they view, here's the thing though, right? People would ask like, what would be their motivation to go up there and do that? People don't understand. Growth. Well, it's, it, well growth, money, t- land grab, all that other mm-hmm. crap. But in addition to that, they also look at Russia the same way yeah. they look at us. Well, they, 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 they hold us on the yeah. exact same scale across the board. Russia has a lot of problem with Chesnians. There's a lot of right. So when they when they go and they start deploying their troops into an unstable region, that's what opens the door for these folks to come in. And that the only one that I could think actually making the trip from Afghanistan to that area, if need be, would be ISIS. I don't see Al Qaeda and or the Taliban's got no reason to go up there. Taliban has zero reason to go there. Al Qaeda possibly, but not as much as ISIS. ISIS is the only ISIS one. ISIS hundred percent can go up there. I just don't see ta- But the Taliban's trying to crush ta- ISIS right now. Yeah, Taliban is is, is not going to leave that area. They're going to sit in their Pakistan, Afghan area and fiddle around with Iran. They're pretty much it's that they don't want to I don't I don't personally see any problem with Taliban in America. I see problems with ISIS and Al Qaeda. That's pretty much it. Taliban, not so much. I for some reason to me, I just don't see them actually. They want to be left alone to rule their own country yeah, so I nobody comes yes. in and screws with them. That's I just don't see them doing too much crazy stuff out of their region, which a lot of people may not realize that. It's the other ones, like ISIS is probably our, our, in Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is another one that would actually... And Al-Qaeda got, uh, Al-Qaeda got knocked down to... Pretty bad. Like, it Pretty was, bad. I think it was back in 2010. There was, like, less than, f- yeah. 2010, 2012, there's less than, like, 50 of them on they, the ground. They got knocked bad, but now, now they're pretty much coming back. Al-Qaeda and ISIS are our biggest worries. Mm-hmm. Taliban, to me... Not so much. They just want to be left alone. Yeah, not so much. But they can fight like a son of a. I'll tell you that much. Yep. So I don't know. That's that that that's my thought process on what I think could possibly happen if it goes on for the next couple of weeks. I I sincerely don't. I I know for a fact there's ISIS members right now that are having the conversation about how they can go up and cause even more issues up in Kazakhstan. There's there's no doubt about it. A hundred percent. Hell, I would even I would even venture out to say there's there's portions of Iran that would actually want to get a piece of this mainly due to the right. oil and, and everything else. But the problem then you look at is Iran would have to deal with Russia and or China and they're kind of frenemies in a sense as well. And, and only time's going to tell what's actually going to happen, truthfully. Yeah. And, and I highly, I would be very, very surprised if this wasn't on the docket when they sit down for those those talks about what's happening in Ukraine as well. What, uh, what's I, happening uh, in Kazakhstan. Oh, Kazakhstan. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here looking at this area. This is the most unstable area on planet Earth. And it's just... You know what's crazy is that was like the most stable country as far as the former Soviet states go. Oh, was it? Yeah. I'm just looking at this. This area as a whole, That's all the, this brown turd right here. Yeah. From Kazakhstan to Syria. To That's Iraq the other reason why Russia is going to be so interested in this and just, why they're going to want to hold on to that. And that's what I'm saying. Dude, it can get very, very bloody, very, very fast. It has that potential. 
when you when you see the amount of people that were on the streets over there, when you hear about the amount of people that affected, when you see all of that, and then you add in these foreign players, right? Non government organization like non government players like the like ISIS, for example. That's a hmm. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there'll be some telltale signs for sure if terrorism is actually infiltrated in its way into Kazakhstan. We'll know over the next couple of weeks. You'll start seeing some different yeah. attack. You'll know pretty quick if it's just some... And, and it'll be on those Russian forces, not yeah. on the people's it side. Won't, it won't be on the civilian side. It'll literally be just straight... If Russian forces start getting blown up out of nowhere, you'll have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. Because it's yep. going to be kind of hard for them to stop pressure plates and EF, or um, remote-controlled... They're going to be worried about like everybody else. Yeah, they're not going to be worried about. And it's a huge. And here's something else that's really, really huge about this that gives the terrorists a very good reason to go up there and pedal or meddle in this Mm -hmm. is the munitions that are going to be on the street. When Libya, when Libya got overthrown, when like the Libyan government was overthrown, the amount of munitions that were on the street was insane. I'm kind of glad that Kazakhstan doesn't have a very powerful military, or you'd be worried about crazier stuff. I bet. I mean, they do have uranium, which is another thing. Oh my god. Go down that that path. Largest uranium manufacturer right. on planet Earth. <laughs> I mean, what what right. do terrorist organizations want the most? Right, the ability to do stuff like that. But anyway, right. and who's supplying that stuff with Iran? Uh, and China, and they're right there on the border as well. How this is not being covered by the American media is beyond me. Like well, blows it, takes my a, mind. it takes a little bit of in-depth to go to. And the other thing is, you have a lot of people that are reporting on this kind of stuff or trying to talk about it. They don't really have an understanding of terrorism as it's like real, like actual, they just, they just know what they've read. They've never had to experience or deal with these people or zip tie them or they don't, they've never actually had firsthand have to touch these dirty human beings. So they don't have an understanding of them. They smell terrible. Their minds are terrible. They're just scum of the earth. So you have kind of an, when you scum is going to go to scum, that's, they're just attracted. They're just like a big magnet. So. Especially when they have, when they stand to gain as much as they do. I see them quite a bit up there. That's kind of interesting. Well, I hope you guys did enjoy this. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Glad to kick the week off of this with you guys. If you guys are new to the channel, please subscribe. Other than that, I will see you mother truckers later. I'm out.